to the front on your smart speaker every morning. To hear the latest episode, just say, play the news from The Australian. From The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Wednesday, February 21. Anthony Albanese may have to reopen the Christmas Island Detention Centre. As concerns grow, asylum seekers are once again successfully reaching Australia by boat. The facility was mothballed in October, and Australia now uses a facility on Nauru, where asylum seekers are being offered cash bonuses of $10,000 to return home. An exclusive on beaustralian.com.au right now about AI infiltrating courtrooms. A student convicted of using forged banknotes has been busted by a judge handing up a character reference that had been written by ChatGPT. The student's brother used the AI bot to write a plea for leniency, but instead of saying, he's my brother, the bot said the two men had known one another for an extended period, personally and professionally. Justice David Mossop in the ACT Supreme Court threw out the reference and handed the man a suspended jail term. $11 billion, 11 new warships and some serious artillery. That's the government's plan for a massive upgrade to Australia's rusty Navy fleet. But how did the Navy get so bad in the first place? And can we fix it fast enough? If you've been waiting a while for an international package to be delivered or for your new car to arrive, One of the reasons might be a major drama that's playing out in one of the world's most important sea lanes. Ships coming to and from Australia and the rest of the world are being fired upon by a band of rebels headquartered in Yemen and funded by Iran. They're called the Houthis and they're targeting the Red Sea and Gulf of Aden, which are the waterways that connect the Indian Ocean with the Mediterranean Sea. In the past few months, the Houthis have behaved kind of like pirates. They've landed on commercial ships with helicopters and taken crews hostage, fired on them with missiles and attack drones. The footage is very dramatic and it shows the Iranian-backed group landing on the ship in a helicopter before the crew storms that ship, taking crew members hostage. As a result, many shipping lines are avoiding the area altogether, resulting in huge delays for the global movement of goods. A ship carrying thousands of Australian sheep and cattle has just returned to Australia after being stranded at sea for a month because of the conflict. Back in December, the United States launched a military campaign to protect the ships. It was called Operation Prosperity Guardian. The US asked its traditional allies to help, like the United Kingdom, Italy, Canada, France, Norway and Australia. But Australia said no. The official explanation was that we were busy focusing on our own region, the Indo-Pacific, where China is increasingly active. The truth was, we didn't have a Navy ship that was in a fit state to send. We also don't have a single vessel with anti-drone capability. That's crucial in this fight, where the US warships are regularly shooting down attack drones 
as well as missiles. Well, it's been let to, uh, pardon the pun, been let to drift for many years now. There hasn't been enough investment in it. Cameron Stewart is the Australian's chief international correspondent. The choices that the government has made to try and replenish the Navy have been poor ones. For example, the Hunter Class Frigate Program, that has been played by weight issues, design issues, and the first ship from that one won't even come here until 2032. And on top of that, they can't get enough people trained to man the ship. So it's really been a case of not putting enough money in and the whole service has been, as I say, drifting. And it's now really coming home to roost when we couldn't even send a ship to the Red Sea. On Tuesday, the federal government announced a big new plan to fix the problem. Its plan is called the Enhanced Lethality Surface Combatant Fleet, a larger and more lethal Australian Navy. It involves an additional $11.1 billion over the next decade for the Navy and shipbuilding, with a promise of more than 3,700 direct jobs. That will grow our fleet from 11 warships to 20 over the next two decades and add six semi-autonomous, large, optionally crewed surface vessels. What it means is something that we don't really know, and this is a surprise packet of this whole naval overhaul, if you like, There's six optionally crewed. What that means is, of course, they can operate effectively as drones, but the Australian government said it would put some crew on them. And so they've got 32 vertical missile cells, which is quite a few. And so the reason for getting them, in theory, is that it gives the Navy a lot more missile firepower, but you don't have to get crews to fire those missiles. And so in theory, that all works very well. Now, the downside of this is simply they are very experimental. The United States has only just started looking into this. So we're really pretty much committing ourselves to a technology and a capability that doesn't actually exist. Now, look, it might prove to be a brilliant masterstroke if these things really kick on. I mean, it would be good in theory, but it also has the hallmarks of a troubled and delayed project, which might not come on nearly as quickly as the government thinks it will. All this in addition to the nuclear-powered submarines Australia is supposed to be buying and building to be ready for the 2040s. Cam, this is all still a very long way away at a time when China is threatening Taiwan and there are shooting wars in both the Middle East and Europe. Are we moving fast enough? Look, we're not moving fast enough, but... To be fair to the government, you can't turn defence around on a dime. It doesn't work like that. Really, the slowness of it is the culmination of a lot of indecision by, I think, governments of all persuasions over the past decade or so. What the government's doing to speed things up as best it can is these 11 new frigates that it's going to buy, three of them are going to be built offshore by whatever country they choose. There's a shortlist of four countries. That will really get those ships into operation quite quickly. And so they're going to have the first of those frigates operational in Australia before the end of this decade, which isn't too bad. Then they will be built in West Australia from that point on. So the government is actually taking some steps to try and fast track that process. And that's an unpopular process to buy from overseas because it upsets the unions, it upsets the local industry, it upsets politicians. So I think it's a good effort for the government to at least get that part over the line. But look, the bottom line is you can't just click your fingers and have a warship turn up tomorrow. It just doesn't work like that. We're going to need thousands more shipbuilders and Navy personnel. Here's how Chief of Navy Vice Admiral Mark Hammond puts it. So to any young Australians looking for an idea as to what they might like to do, I would offer that we are an employer that underwrites your cost of living 
and will pay you to go see the world. And now's a great time to be part of the Royal Australian Navy. Well, it's interesting because this new overhaul of the Navy has been calculated so that there is an increase in crews, but not by much, because I don't think they feel they can actually fill those slots. They're struggling to fill the ones already. So we've got those autonomous drone ships, which don't take many crew. And because of the increasing automation of other new vessels, they're saying that there won't be a lot more crew required to man the new fleet. Now, the trouble is the Navy has a structural problem with recruitment and it can't crew the ships it's got at the moment. It needs to put pay rates up. It needs to make it more attractive for people. A lot of people don't want to these days go off and sail on a ship for four months. It's not an easy sell for a lot of millennials. And so it's a great challenge for the Navy and this overhaul will actually increase that challenge. So they're going to have to get a new strategy and a long-term strategy to try and get people to want to be in the Navy. Coming up, the big picture about Australia's defence readiness to, well, defend us. While I've got you, we'd love you to get more of this journalism by subscribing to The Australian. Our subscribers get breaking news alerts, newsletters, special events and the most lively and detailed news, analysis and commentary around the clock. Check us out at theaustralian.com.au. We'll be back after this break. A troubled young woman, her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. For a long time, Australian defence experts, including Cameron and the Australian's foreign editor, Greg Sheridan, have been saying Australia is woefully unprepared to face an enemy that might come knocking. Almost a year ago, the government made all the right noises that it was going to beef up spending with the release of a much-hyped defence strategic review. We confront the most challenging strategic circumstances since the Second World War, both in our region and indeed around the world. In that review, some of the most eminent defence leaders had a very clear take. A stagnant bureaucracy, slow decisions, bad calls have to change. The message was basically, go faster. Organising anything from troops and technology to ships and weapons is generally taking Australia a decade, in which time enemy forces have already moved on to bigger, better and more deadly things. Like drones, where Australia has been completely left behind as the rest of the world acquires attack drones, anti-drone drones, drone swarms, you name it. The thing is, a fully equipped defence force costs money. Lots of money. A single purpose-built vehicle like an armoured truck or a submarine can run into the millions or even billions of dollars. And yet successive federal budgets have failed to give defence the additional money it would need. Greg, uh, we're seeing Ukraine begging for more Western assistance. Is anything changing in the strategic environment, either here in Australia or in the world, as a result of what seems to be Putin's increasing aggression or boldness? Yes, a lot of things are changing and they're all getting worse. Let me provide a depressing message to our listeners. 
Greg Sheridan is The Australian's foreign editor. So Donald Trump has gone down a crazy path of right-wing isolationism to match the left-wing isolationism of the left-wing of the Democratic Party. And as a result, the United States Congress, the Republicans following Trump's instruction, are holding up $60 billion worth of military aid to Ukraine. In Australia, I think our aid to Ukraine has been utterly pathetic. The only thing we've ever done quickly is bury the Taipan helicopters so that we didn't have to give them Ukraine. You know, the Defence Department takes a year and a half to blow its nose, but it was able to bury a billion dollars worth of Taipan helicopters. And why didn't it give them to Ukraine? It says it was scared that the Ukrainians might want spare parts in the future. I think it was also scared the Ukrainians might operate the helicopters perfectly well, and we'd be embarrassed by that. I'm just going to jump in here to unpack what Greg just said. The Taipans are a fleet of 47 helicopters Australia's had over the past 20 years. But they've been catastrophic from the start. They couldn't pick up cargo properly. The doors didn't work. There wasn't enough room in the doorway to shoot at enemies while offloading troops. And they had trouble staying in the air. An Australian defence helicopter has crashed south of Jervis Bay. Bill Hogan is there at the scene. Bill, everyone on board managed to escape. What's the latest? Yeah, good morning, Sally. Well, it's incredibly lucky that no one was seriously injured. There were ten. So the whole fleet was grounded, and despite Ukraine asking for them, Australia has stripped the helicopters down for spare parts and is burying them in the ground. If you ask Greg Sheridan about defence's failings, he tends to get on a roll. This is a sign of a government which has no intention to make any strategic difference. Now, our own defence forces are pitiful. We've got eight antique Anzac frigates, which are not modern warships in anybody's measure. We can't crew them. One of them is permanently out of the water. Two more are likely to be in that status soon. We've got six ageing Collins submarines. We won't even modernise their combat capabilities to give them Tomahawk missiles. We can't crew them. We've got 100 fast jets. They're modern platforms. We can't crew them. And defence is in complete disarray. There's massive confusion. So here we are in the most dangerous strategic circumstances since World War II, and we are not at the moment, as we speak, building one warship. And final happy thought, we're 4,500 troops below our pathetic troop ambition of 60,000. So the whole of the Australian Defence Force is meant to comprise a little over half of a Taylor Swift concert in the Melbourne Cricket Ground. And we can't even make that. We're four and a half thousand short. So our only defence policy is to hope the Americans take care of everything. And I think that's extremely dangerous. And if the Western world lets Ukraine down at this moment, Ukraine is not asking for a single Western soldier. It's just asking for weapons and ammunition. And if we can't do that and we won't do anything to defend ourselves, You know, the outlook is pretty bleak. It's a good thing, Claire, that I'm an Irishman, so when things are objectively (laughs) pessimistic, I remain in a good spirit. This is your sweet spot. (laughs) Greg Sheridan is The Australian's foreign editor and Cameron Stewart is our chief international correspondent. Thanks for joining us on The Front. Don't forget to subscribe for all this kind of journalism and much more at theaustralian.com.au. Hey! 
Hey, I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component oh, of that. I, I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts.